What's up, folks? Welcome to the Do Big Things podcast. I'm glad you stopped by. My name is Adam. I'm your host. If you're new here, welcome. I'm here to inspire you to do big things. What does that mean? How do you do that? Well, you have to do a lot of little things in order to do the big things. I enjoy chatting with all kinds of folks that are getting outside of their comfort zone and implementing change in their lives. I am an ultra runner, so most of my conversations on this platform are with like-minded people, and my guest today is no different. Brian Pacenti recently completed the Moab 240. That's a 240-mile run! I have run a few ultras, but I've not gone that far. So I had to chat with him. I had to hear all about this. And he is coming up in just a minute. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing. I'm happy to announce that we've brought a couple of new folks onto our team and we're gearing up to help you guys out next year. Need a coach to get you to that starting line? We've got you. Need crew? Let us know. Need pacers? We're here for you. We can get you trained up, and we can crew you in. We can't run the miles for you, but we can give you all the tools you need to tackle that big race you've been wondering about. Need supplements? Need vitamins? Need healthy energy drinks? Guys, I'm bringing the heat here. I've got everything for you. I've got whatever it is you need to bring out the best versions of yourselves. Some of the best moments of my lives were when I was scared to do a really big thing and somehow got over that hurdle and persevered. And I didn't always do them by myself either. Sometimes you need to call a friend or hire a coach. We're here for you. We'd love to be of service. Life is short. Do big things, baby. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool. We are rolling. Uh, thanks for joining me on the Do Big Things podcast, Brian. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, give give us an introduction. Tell us who you are. Well, my name is Brian Pacenti, and I am um, an ultra runner. I've been uh, in the ultra running world for a little over uh, 10 years or so. Mm. And uh, most recently, I just uh, completed the Moab 240-mile endurance run. Is this the first 200-plus mile run you've done, or have you done other ones? No, this is my first go at it. Okay, okay. How do you think it went overall? Do you feel pretty good about it? Yeah, I do. You know, um, I, I think going into it, you got to be realistic. And, um, you know, life is busy. Um, I got kids at home. I got, right. you know, a full-time job. I'm not a pro right. runner by any means. I'm just kind of the, uh, the average Joe. And, uh, and, you know, and so training, training struggles sometimes. And uh, it maybe takes a back seat. But um, realistically, I thought a great day would have been 80 hours. Mm. Um, that was the A goal. A B goal was under 100. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just um, middle of the road, and the C goal was uh, the ultimate goal was just to finish, get in under 112 hours. Okay. Yeah. And what was your final time? 
So I finished under 96, just 95 oh. and a half or nice. 95, nice. 95 something. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I, hit, I hit the B goal pretty solid. Um, and I was pretty far off of the A goal, but, um, Hey, that's delivery. all right. That's what the that's three right. goals are for. That's why we set them up like that. Just in case you never know how it's going to go down. So cool, man. I can, I can relate to pretty much everything you said. If you don't mind, how old are you? I am 46 years old this year. 46. Okay. So you're pretty close to my age. I'm 45. Um, And you have a family, you have a full-time job. Like I'm curious how you juggle it all, man, because I don't even have kids and and I can barely juggle it all. I mean, I got a couple (laughs) jobs, you know, uh, I'm always busy with stuff, but like, how do you fit it all in? I mean, you've got, you got to do a lot of training to ramp up to 240 miles. So what does that look like in your world? You know, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty fortunate. Uh, my wife is uh, super lenient and um, understands my desires to uh, get out and um, push my limits and see how far I can go. Okay. Um, she works full-time as well at a hospital as a nurse. Mm. Um, so she works 12, 13, 14 hour days. Um, fortunately, it's probably three or four a week okay. that she's, um, she works. Um, so we juggle um, our nine-year-old and our six-year-old daughters um, and, um, and just kind of covering and watching them, uh, making sure they're, they're fed and, and getting sleep and, and good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so my wife um, is a huge help. Um, she deserves um, pretty much all of the um, accolades for that, uh, for <laughs> sure. Um, but I, um, I also have um, my wife's family here in Glenwood Springs, um, and mm. they help us out. Um, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, um, will, um, I can drop them off and tell my mother-in-law and father-in-law or ask them if I could go for a run. And, uh, and so they'll do a little helping us, um, in that regard, I'll be able to get out for two, three hours for a run here and there cool. using, using that as a process. Um, but the other means I do is that I get up at uh, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. No kidding. I, I go out at nine, 10 o'clock after everyone's sleeping in the house. Okay. Um, and I will, um, I will run all hours of the morning and or night. Okay. And what time are you working during the day? Is it like typical nine to five job? Pretty much. I, um, I run a recreation apartment for a small town here in the Valley. Okay. Okay. And, um, and so I, I'm able to manage my hours or micromanage them. Um, sometimes in basketball season, I'm working noon until eight because um, uh, youth basketball runs until late, eight, eight o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to, I'm able to juggle it a little bit. So okay, that helps. But yeah, 40 hours a week, 40 plus hours a week. For sure. So how often is it that you're getting up at two in the morning to crank out these miles, man? I mean, that like, just hearing that inspires me. <laughs> like just hearing that makes me want to set my alarm earlier tomorrow to get out for a run. So you know, that's another, uh, you know, I do it probably two, to answer your question. I do it about two times a week, um, okay. uh, maybe more. Um, but I actually, um, I, I don't sleep that well for whatever reason. I'm just a um, super light sleeper. And, uh, you know, I mean, if the, if the neighbor slams his door hard enough, I can wake up and hear it. And, uh, mm. and, and it's not that close to me. Um, but <laughs> what I'm getting at is, that, but what I'm getting at is I'm, it's super light, you know? And so I wake up at two o'clock in the morning and I'm, instead of laying there and I've been that way for years, instead of just laying there, I'm like, I might as well be productive. So I've gotten up before and actually worked on my computer, like done actual, like my job work mm-hmm. or um, other things on the computer that I needed to get done. And then I'm like, all right, well, let's throw on some shoes and get out the door, <laughs> you know, charge the lights and move. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and that's the, that's the bonus to being able to um, being um, afforded the opportunity to participate at the 240 level is that um, running for four days, basically 96 hours mm-hmm. or moving constantly for 96 hours um there is no bad time in the day to train two o'clock in the morning is completely unacceptable time 11 o'clock at night is completely unacceptable time 
um, to, to, to get out and get some miles in. So yeah, you got to get your body used to running all around the clock, all hours of the day. That's exactly right. So how, how much sleep do you get a night? It sounds like you're, you don't get all that much. I do. I mean, I get enough. I'm not uh, depriving myself at all. If I'm tired I've, after the event, I've been sleeping in normal, normal eight, nine hours. Okay. Maybe, maybe even a 40 minute power nap throughout the day. For sure. Um, just obviously for recovery yeah. um, since the event. But um, normally I'm good for about five, six hours, maybe yeah. you know, not too much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What did your recovery look like after something like this? I mean, this is, this is the longest distance you've ever run by the sounds of it in one shot. So were you just like laid up? Were you in a wheelchair? Like, like how bad was it? I was pretty beat up. I'm still um, a little tender. We're about two weeks out now. Um, I think uh, today's Sunday. So um, we started two weeks ago. Um, I I would imagine that's like 16 days ago. So a little more than two weeks ago on Friday morning. Um, and I finished on Tuesday morning, so we're, we're right in the middle of it, um, up to two weeks. Um, initially, I was um, I was pretty sore, pretty tender, just uh, moving slow. Um, the finish start line um, is at a campground, and uh, and we camped there, mm. um, at, uh, my crew and I. Mm-hmm. And so I went and used their pool and their hot tub, and kind of did uh, hot cold dips back and forth between the hot tub and the cold pool. Nice. And uh, and I mean, I I swam laps, but I mean, but I, I think you know loosely. Um, I, I wouldn't call it swimming by any means. I, I was just fluttering my feet to try to get some blood flowing back into them Good. and just flush a little bit out. Um, and, and I think that helped really well. Um, I live about three hours from Moab. And so on my way home at the state line, um, we pulled over and, um, and took a cold plunge into the Colorado river. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, just to, just to kind of break up the monotony. And I, I parked a little bit of ways intentionally. So I had a walk there. Okay. Um, you know, I mean a quarter mile, I mean, yeah. nothing crazy, but just to get the legs moving instead of sitting in the car for three hours. Um, I really needed to get the legs, the blood flowing and the legs moving smart so, quarter mile walk to the river, a quick plunge. Um, and then back up to the, um, car to drive the rest of the way home. Cool. Um, is, and is that, go ahead. Oh, I guess to, uh, to finish up the recovery part of it. Um, and otherwise my body's healing pretty well. I've, um, I've done some exercise and I've done some working out. Um, I ran um, yesterday and okay. a couple of days ago uh, locally. I've been biking a bit. Um, I did actually do one actual swim um, locally in a pool. Um, but I, I think the last thing that I'm still looking at even today, just kind of riding the bicycle indoor, um, mm. is that I have a little numbness in my toe still, one toe. Really? It's kind of slow to coming around. Yeah, my, so my feet were pretty hammered. Mm. Um, and not, not the blisters and the typical things you'd see at the 100 type of distance. Um, but the internal, the muscles and the nerves, um, the, lots of numbness and soreness in my feet and just to walk, um, put pressure on them and weight um, hurt. Um, I, I logged most of the run on my watch. And, um, and when I plugged it back in after four days of moving forward, it said I had 462,000 steps. <laughs> so, that's gonna so be almost half, up. almost almost half a million yeah. half a million steps that's going to beat the feet up a little bit regardless no matter what yeah. you do that's right. <laughs> um how about diet like when you're trying to recover are you changing your diet or do anything different or i mean usually after i finish a race that's when i just kind of let it go and i'm like pizza ice cream like give me the good stuff now uh yeah. what are you doing uh, typically in my training season, I don't um, hold to a super strict diet. I, I limit the amount of meat I take in. I try to eat as much fruits and vegetables as possible at every, mm-hmm. every sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, I eat meat maybe three, four times a week, if that, and that, that might be a stretch. Um, but since the event, I have eaten nothing but 
um, just garbage. I mean, but just pure <laughs> calories, uh, intentional. Um, it's, sure. it's a mental, it's a mental break as well. Yep. Yep. No, you got to yeah. celebrate, man. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a huge accomplishment and, uh, there's a lot of training that goes into it. So you gotta, you gotta let loose and let the hair down and eat some good food and celebrate. So good on totally. you. Man. Yeah. yeah totally. Good on you. Um, that's cool. You mentioned uh, jumping in the Colorado River. Is ice plunges, is that part of your routine or cold showers or something like that? Do you do that regularly? No, not at all. Okay. So that must have been pretty cold if that's not something you're used to. Totally. That was a one-off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just a, a harebrained idea to get out of the car. Cool. Cool. Did, it, did you feel like it worked? Did it help? Or was it just... It was cold. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was legit cold. These uh, nice. these ra- these rafters were going fishing, and they just kind of were like keeping an eye on us. Like, what are those guys doing yeah. over there? It's like, don't even ask. You don't want to know. Just, yeah, the, the skinny, wiry ultra runner shows up and just you know jumps in for two seconds and comes out shivering, just a big shivery mess. You know? Oh, that's funny. Cool, man. Well, how did this journey start for you? Like, when did you start running, and how did you eventually get to ultra runs? And uh, yeah, like, what's your story? That's a great question, uh, Adam. I, um, I've been a runner um, for a, a really long time, um, from a really young age. I was probably eight or nine years old when I ran my first mile wow. in, our, in um, North Jersey, where I was uh, raised. Okay. Um, I, my dad was like a volunteer track coach, and I have an older brother. Mm-hmm. He, he was a runner as well. Um, he was a sprinter at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so my, um, my brother was a pretty good sprinter. And so uh, my dad said, well, you, you should probably be a sprinter as well if you're going to try track. So I, I limped along like maybe uh, six and seven years old um, sprinting. And I, I was just bad at it. I mean, I wasn't bad at it. I was decent. I mean, it was just running, you know what I mean, as a kid. And so it was fun. But, but I was like fourth and fifth. Maybe I made the relays here and there, um, the relay teams, but nothing spectacular. I wasn't a star athlete by any means. And uh, uh, uh Obviously, that went on for about two years, or um, I, I guess I should explain that. It went on for about two years before um, I was, um, it, I kind of just asked, hey, I, I would love to run the mile, you know, and, my, and they kind of like tried to talk me out of it. Like, ah, oh, it's four laps. It's, you know, it's really far. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, yeah, four, you know, four times around this big oval. I've seen it, you know, like, let's, let's try it out. And so I uh, convinced them to give me a shot at it and, uh, and, and, uh, and performed really well in that first time. And never really ran a 100 or 200 meter uh, yard dash again. You know, I, I okay. just I just went to the mile and um, excelled at it and enjoyed it. Um, I did when I was about 11 or 12. I think the 11, 12 year old age group um, in North Jersey. I um, I had set the state record at a 517 mile. Oh, um, wow. at 11 years old. Yeah, so I was oh. a I was a pretty quick kid um, for the mile distance. Sure. Um, and and then I went on to run cross country and and um, pursue other uh, longer events um but that's basically my start uh, okay. i've been a lifelong runner I'm, again i'm 46 so i feel like i've been running about 40 years or so wow wow um, yeah. it's a long time yeah were you running steady all through your 20s and 30s like mo- you know most people especially ultra runners when they hit their 20s and 30s they're you know something usually happens they're wiling out having crazy times and then they kind of come back around to it uh, is that what you, your story was like, or did you run pretty much? For sure. There, no, there's a little gap in there. I mean, uh, a, a year or two here and there, um, off, I, there was a year that I probably tried to run, but I also smoked a pack of cigarettes a day, sure. you know, I mean, just, yep. just, just being a, a, a young adult trying to figure out my way yep. through life and, um, sure. and so on and so forth. But, um, I was probably, 
Uh, I was probably 28 or so. Um, actually, when I moved to Glenwood uh, 22 years ago. So I, I was um, doing the math. That was uh, uh, 26 I was. Okay. No, 24. Um, hmm. 24, 25 years old. And I volunteered um, locally to help a small triathlon um, in, in this town here in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. And uh, it, just from volunteer, the next that, right after the event, I was like, I'm I'm going next year. I'm in this thing, you know. And nice. I, I had a, I had a basis for um, sport, you know, as you could tell from um, from my young years of running, mm-hmm. younger years of running. So I um, I volunteered for that triathlon. Uh, the next year, I was in it, um, and I never looked back. I went on to do Ironman uh, mm. a couple times. Cool. Um, I did that all the way through uh, like about 20, uh, 2009, maybe twenty ten or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I transitioned over to ultra running in 2010. Yeah. yeah. Same here, man. Like I, I slowly worked my way up to Ironman and, you know, I enjoyed it. I dug it, but there was just, there's something completely night and day different between, you know, running ultra marathons and, and doing triathlons and Ironmans. And it was when I was training for my Ironman that I sort of discovered trail running. Like I was out training, running on some trails and I just thought, man, uh, this is really cool. And eventually found my way to ultras. How and why did you transition from, from Ironman or, or triathlons over to trail running? Super similar experience. I was actually um, in my triathlon days. I, um, I did 80% of my training on the bike. I mean, that's all. And I loved the bike. I, mm-hmm. I, I would mountain bike. I would time trial. Cool. I would cool. road bike. Do you snow bike? Um, not as much as I would like to actually, um, with the snow, it's probably going to put a damper on it, but I was, kinda, I was looking for, I was looking forward to uh, like an off season of just biking. I have a spin bike in the house as well. Mm, so I, nice. I rode this, I watched the football game with a spin bike earlier. Cool. cool. Um, okay. But that same idea, um, I actually, I felt like, um, ultra running. I was, gosh, I was Oh nine in Arizona and I had broken a spoke on my tri bike. Um, but the participants that were near and around me didn't, um, didn't know why I was off my bike, um, but I was walking it. I was sort of like trotting, pushing it. Um, but it was really, I felt like um, Ironman, for lack of a better term, was pretty cutthroat. Um, there was no, there wasn't as much camaraderie. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't, um, it, it's very much a race and it's not about um, me racing myself and you racing yourself and we could work together or <laughs> my crew can help you or your crew can help me. Um, like this ultra running community is um, just totally, um, you know, into that, uh, my crews, you know, you know, somebody said they needed water. My crew's like dumping water on the guy, you know, like, and that's totally cool. Um, and ultra running or I'm sorry. Um, and Ironman is not that way. Um, I, I had to wait for the sad wagon, wagon to come. I had to convince the guy, um, in the sad wagon to trade me a front wheel, um, without a broken spoke. Um, so I could put the wheel back on and go ahead and continue my event. And so I wound up finishing, um, it was yeah. fine, but but I, I really reconsidered during that marathon, um, specifically right at that event, like, what am I doing here? And is this the community <laughs> I want to be, is this the community I really want to be involved with? Yeah. You know, and, and I knew enough about the um, trail running community. And in 09, I read uh, Born to Run, you know, that pretty typical story. And yep. I was hooked on Leadville. And in 2010, mm. I ran my first Leadville. Ah, nice. Was that your first ultra? Um, I, I, it was probably the first ultra I signed up for. Um, I, in leading up to the training for it, I did, I think two fifty milers okay, cool. um, in the training, getting there. But I, I believe I, I, you know, I, I sent off my registration, believe it or not, if you can imagine with a check <laughs> um, way before lotteries were yep. even around. And, yep. um, 
and uh and they kind of mailed me something back that said you're you're in and i was like oh i better start training you know yeah yeah wow figuring it out yeah was that uh before the leadville went kind of corporate or uh yeah i think it was like right before wasn't it 2010 correct so they so they um in 2010 ken and Marilee introduced um lifetime fitness um Mm. as one of their co-sponsors and they had said in 2011 they're going to take over and it was like Mm. the transition time so it was the last year of like the mom and pop feel of it for me Mm. i believe Mm -hmm. um i I did i did really well that year and i um, earned a big buckle nice and so I have an, a big buckle with the old logo on it, which is that 100 on the rock. Ah, cool. And that, you know, you know what I'm referring to? I don't know that I've ever seen it. I have, um, uh, you know, the big buckle and I have the 30 hour buckle for Leadville as well. But um, you were just a couple years before me. So oh, I don't think I've seen in, it. In 2011, it was uh, the newer logo or um, incorporating the Lifetime Fitness logo into the um, buckle. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I have an older buckle of uh, nice. 2010 year. Yeah. So it was kind of a cherished, uh, absolutely earn, earning. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you remember how many people were racing, uh, that year at, at your first year at Leadville? Was it quite a bit smaller or was it gaining popularity at that point? Um, I don't know if it ever full, um, filled that year. I want to say it was around, uh, it was pretty full though. Um, 700. Okay. I'm taking a shot in the dark, but I felt sure. like it was pretty, um, pretty full, but not crazy overwhelmed and not like the 13 years where they overstacked it and, uh, and sold too many spots. I think that was like 12 or 1300. They put in that one time Okay, uh, and got a lot of slack for it, but. And you've done Leadville a few times now, haven't you? I did. I've started eight Leadvilles and finished six of them. Whoa. Um, and, and one of those was a lead man actually in 18. Oh, nice. Okay. So why were you so hell bent on Leadville? Um, I mean, I love that race personally. It's one of my favorites. A lot of people kind of dog on it and give it a hard time because there's the big road stretch and it should be more mountainous because it's in Leadville and, you know, but I just love the race. I love the atmosphere. I love the town of Leadville. I love absolutely everything about it. Um, Why did you keep coming back to the same race? Uh, You know, that first year I read the book, I was hooked on the story. Um, I had a great experience in 2010. Um, I did too fall in love with the town and the uh, community um, of Leadville. Um, and, um, also life is, life is busy. Um, the year later we had our uh, first child, she's now nine. Um, mm-hmm. so that was 10 years ago. And so after the first Leadville, we had, um, we had our firstborn. um, Leadville is only about an hour and 40 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm able to get on the course pretty easily, um, and go train on it. And it's local, fairly local. Um, mm-hmm. it feels like it's uh, pretty close to home. Yep. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not having a, um, you know, get airfare or anything crazy to, um, to get to Leadville. Um, you know, just a quick campsite. Um, we were there for three, four days and, and we're out of there, you know? Cool. Um, and, and so all those things kind of, uh, played into, um, uh, the, the Leadville scene for me. Um, for sure. Uh, yeah. Do you hit up, uh, a lot of the Colorado races and, and Utah races that are kind of near you? I mean, you're almost like right on the border of Colorado and Utah, um, or was Leadville like your favorite race you kind of kept coming back to, or have you done any of the other races in the area? I took a peek um, at your ultra sign up, but I don't remember exactly what was on there. Sure. Yeah. I've done, um, gosh, I've done stuff in the Grand Mesa. I've done stuff at like Fruta trail festival with uh, okay. Reed and Gemini adventures. Yep. Um, a bunch of stuff with those guys. I even ran their, uh, Cocopelli stage race trail, uh, mm. stage race across the Cocopelli trail. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, I get out to the uh, western edge of Colorado quite a bit. Um, I 
I have a DNF at um, uh, Steamboat, uh, Run Rapid Run. Oh, dude, that's my only DNF too. <laughs> it's my only DNF and it's still hanging over my head. Like I got to go back and make that right at some point. What happened for you? Um, you know, I, you know, I, I think, I, I don't even know if I have a great excuse. I mean, I, I, I just was not feeling it. And dude, I, was me quick, too. I, was, I was quick to throw the hammer down, uh, <sighs> quick to throw the towel in. Um, I think I was only 45 in, maybe 40 in. Um, it was the older course. Um, I guess they've revamped their course yep, um, yep. in the last maybe one or two years. I'm not quite sure. Um, but um, I ran the older course and I came around back to um, Olympic Hall there. And I was like, I'm done. And, mm. you know, I was limping. I didn't feel good. It hurt. You know, all those all those things, you know, like that we that we pay a lot of money for. Yep. And, uh, and I was pretty surprised that it hurt and it stunk and I you know, wasn't feeling that great. Um, and I went back to the campground and, and crawled into bed and um, just laid there full of regret. Couldn't believe that, you know, like I actually felt pretty good after I'd laid down for 10 minutes. You know, I was like, ah, yep. what did I just do? You know? Yeah, I know. Dude, I can, <laughs> dude, I can relate because my story is kind of the same, man. Like I had a little bit of a lingering knee injury, but in a way I was kind of just using that as an excuse and I made it to about 40 miles. I think I even took a wrong turn on the course. I wasn't paying attention when a mile or something off, off course and then came back and I was just like, and also I didn't have crew or pacers out there. I'd driven out there by myself and, and I just was feeling sorry for myself. And I'm just like, oh man, I just don't think I can do it. And then I remember going back and getting a hotel room and getting a pizza and just sitting on the bed and just being like, ah, I wish I was still out there, man. And like the <laughs> next day woke up just feeling like crap about myself. Ah, that's such a bad feeling. And yeah. I was just like, this is never going to happen again. And that, I mean, that's my only DNF as far as races. I mean, I've done, I've gone out for other adventures and, and failed, but yeah, man. So I have <laughs> I one other, you. I have one other uh, DNF um, story um, at um, Bighorn. Hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I think I only made it um, 30 miles okay. into, into that one. And uh, yeah, it was just the whole weekend was just off um, uh, between uh, picking up crew and um, getting to the starting line. Everything was off. I think I fell like two times in the first 30 miles, like pretty hard, like tripped on a rock and went straight to the ground. And I don't, I mean, I've run, you know, uh, lots of miles in the 40 years of my life and uh, mm -hmm. I don't really fall that often, but I, um, one of the, the second time I had a half an avocado leaving the aid station in my hand and I was trotting along and clipped it and like smushed this avocado with moon dirt all over me. And it just stuck <laughs> like this paste with this, this dirt on top of it. Yeah. It was just horrible. <laughs> and, and, um, and then I had a hitchhike out. Oh, no. my, crew, my crew wasn't there and my crew was at the 50 mile turnaround and didn't get word for like five hours and everything I owned was in the car, the crew car. Um, so I went to the campground and, uh, there was, there was nothing for me to do at the campground. I didn't have anywhere to, nothing warm to put on. So uh, I, I went up, I went up going to like a Denny's or some sort of diner and like telling the lady I was good for a cup of coffee and I needed to borrow her phone and she, uh, and she let me do those two things. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So the, the same as you, I have like, I have a year where I need to do like redemption. And actually, if I'm going to do redemption, I think I need to do the two of them in the same year and like really just kind of like. Just one nail them full, down. One one full push. Like let's yeah. let's 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 redeem ourselves at these two events. And that's on. cool. Well, that should be doable to do those two races in one year too. So yeah, yeah, they're yeah. pretty far apart and different yep. different seasons. Yeah. Yep. Wow, that's cool. Huh. Um. So, do you do a lot of running in in Colorado? Then, I mean, is that where most of your training takes place? Like around the oh, Glenwood yeah. area? 
Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, in okay. the valley here. Yeah. What What are some of your favorite trails out that way? Gosh, yesterday I just tried to summit uh, Mount Sopris. Um, mm, okay. It's a, it's almost it's almost thirteen or it's a twelve nine five six or something along those lines. You're friends with uh, Seth Howland, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know him? I'm curious. I I had him on the podcast a few weeks back and heard yeah, his heard adventure yeah. of going up and down Sopris. Yeah. The, How do you the, know him? The triple the triple uh, Sopris challenge. Yeah. Yeah. He did, he did awesome on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're just we're just um, in the same valley and live in the same area. Okay. Um, I only met him just recently, um, quite honestly, um, mm. but we're, we're like, uh, in the same circle of, uh, running friends in the, um, in the Valley. Cool. Cool. Do you train with him or occasionally? I, no, again, I just met him the other day. Oh, okay. Um, actually okay. I met him at Moab at the aid station. Yeah. He was person. working one of the aid stations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's cool. So yeah, man, I'm thinking about doing a 200 miler. Um, I'm thinking more and more about it now and I'm looking at next year and I'm looking at all the different races and I'm wondering which one I should sign up for. Um, wh- what's your advice to me? I mean, I've done a handful of hundreds, so I've got that under my belt. I know what's in, involved and in, what's in, entailed there. Um, what do I have to do different for 200? Do you have any advice for me? It's a great question. You know, I, um, I do have um, some advice and I'd say that um, it, the obvious answer is that um, if you're running 50, 60, 70 miles a week for your hundred miles, it doesn't mean you have to double it up. Um, sure. I'm not running 140 miles a week. I mean, it's just not enough time in my life mm-hmm. um, to commit to that kind of training. Um, I did, I did maybe a couple of weeks where I stacked on an extra 10 or 15, maybe even 20 miles um, more than I did for hundred mile training. Um, but I, I just stayed consistent and ran a lot. Um, again, I ran at all hours of the day, um, and I think that helped as well. Um, and also on the weekends, um, when I would do my long runs, I would I would run 15 miles in the morning. After dinner, I'd get another 10 in, and maybe at 10, 10 11 o'clock at night, I'd get another 5K in just to kind of stack the miles and, and, and make sure that the, t- the legs really knew um, there was no wrong time to run. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only um, one of the other things that I did um, was gear, and I think that uh, I usually run um, super light, and, and uh, I, I I usually run light and, and try to run fast at the hundreds, mm-hmm. um, and I usually don't have enough equipment with me. Um, I'm, I'm usually um, you know I barely w- will carry a rain jacket. I mean uh, that type of thing. I'd rather save the weight and move faster than uh, than than bog myself. Feel like I'm bogging myself down mm-hmm. um, with a ton of gear. Um, but there was a required gear list for, um, for the 240, for the Moab 240. And so I, um, I, I built a backpack pretty early in the season, probably June or so, um, with all the required gear in it. And then I, you know, threw in some extra stuff just to kind of weigh it down. And, um, and I ran a lot with that pack because I wasn't really um, accustomed to running with that much weight on my back in the past mm-hmm. um, because I'm normally going um, light and fast. So, um, so I think that was a, a pretty critical part, too. Um, just kind of loading it up. And then every week as we get closer to the, the actual event, I kept um, putting more gear in it. I a full bladder, even though I wasn't going to drink two liters of water on a 10 mile run, mm-hmm. um, I'd still throw in a full bladder, um, you know, and all the required gear, a ton of food, um, just, just feeling like a full pack and making sure that all the gear was there. Um, and uh, in the LaSalle, it's particularly in the LaSalle mountains in Moab. Um, I think it paid off. I, um, I moved really efficiently, had all, my um, night gear um, at 20 degrees. Um, as soon as it warmed up, I stripped down and packed it all into my pack um, and was able to um, move consistently uh, running with this big pack on my back, you know, with, 
with a puffy jacket and a shell and some, you know, light pants and a, and a couple extra buffs and the gloves and, you know, just what I was wearing a few hours prior at neg or not negative 20, but just 20 degrees. Um, I was able to um, stuff in the pack and move efficiently with still on my back. So I think that's, um, I think that was pretty clutch for me. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Um, so I want to get into the Moab 240 and, and hear all the gritty details, but, um, first, like if, would you change, did you do anything that you would change looking back? Did you do anything wrong? And conversely, is there anything that you did that was like a hundred percent, right? Like, I'm so glad I did that. Um, let's start with wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I did anything wrong. Um, I think I'd be, um, quite honestly, I have this spreadsheet that I, I'm, a, I'm a spreadsheet kind of guy and I had all the mileages and distance and elevation gains and elevation losses between each aid station and, and who was going to jump in pacing what sections and what that's going to look like and an estimated time of day and I was way off, you know, I mean, and, and, and that always happens, right? I'm sure you've yep. experienced that as well, you yep. know, I'm like, I was way off, like in the, I think the first two I nailed, I was like within four minutes and I was like, oh man, I'm just knocking this thing out. And then the next one, I was like three hours off, you know, like it was just, it was <laughs> slower just or faster, slower. slower. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, Moab was really hot. It was um, hot this year. Yeah. It was hotter than expected. And, mm -hmm. um, and I actually intentionally slowed down, um, that first afternoon and tried to keep a moderate pace and not expend that much energy. And I didn't really, I mean, I sweated, but I didn't want to be, you know, perspiring a ton of water. Mm -hmm. um, I knew water was going to be an issue. I had the ability to carry three liters of water on me. Um, and I knew that I had to save it for the next uh, 20, 24, 17 miles, whatever the sections were. Um, and so I was, I was micromanaging the water um, situation. Um, so I, I actually, I could actually say that that would be um, one of the things I did well um, was mo monitoring my water. There was a lot of people that ran um, six, eight miles without any water. Yeah. Um, some sections, they, they ran out and they would just, you know, hold it on. Mm -hmm. and, uh, even with a mile to go, there was a guy that was just like, his eyeballs lit up when he saw me because I was chugging my water. I was like, oh, there's a mile to the aid station. I'm going to finish this off. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, eyeballs are full, you know. And I'm like, all right, man, here's some water, you know. Sure, yeah. I, I wasn't trying to hoard it, but I mean, it, I carried it rightfully so, you know. Yep. Yeah, but I think that was a good choice. Um, the spreadsheet didn't really work that well, but when I went back and um, and looked after the fact, I also spent a ton of time in the aid stations. I mean, a ton. I mean, uh, I needed to sleep. I needed to eat. You know, I needed to do those things. Um, but some of them are pretty excessive, and um, and I think if there's a way to shave some time, mm -hmm. um, would be to um, keep a better eye on the clock on when I'm coming in and when I'm leaving. Okay. Um, I didn't really. Um, check the times of day. I didn't really do any of that kind of stuff. I was in, I took a nap, I wake up, we fix my feet, get a ton of calories, load my backpack up and leave. But sometimes there were like two, two and a half hours mm. in that process, you know? Sure. So, so I think uh, keeping a better eye on the, um, the time management aspect of um, in, in aid stations and out aid stations, just maybe keeping a, a second watch on us, what I actually thought of just a, just a chrono uh, timer. Yep. You know, maybe I'm saying I'm, I'm in uh, 75 minutes. I'm in uh, one hour and 15 minutes and I'm out of here and let's get it all in right now. And let's move on. You know? Is that an average time in the aid stations for a 200 mile race? Like come in for about an hour and a half or something like that. 75 minutes. Uh, are most people catching a little nap in there? Or? Um, you know, it seemed like the people right in my area were doing that same sort of uh, process. They're running your pace. I kept, I kept seeing the same people. So I don't know if they were 
uh, traveling slower, but at the aid station, we, you know, we, we just like other hundreds, we, we started to see the same folks right around us. Sure. Um, and so whether that meant they were sleeping less and moving slower or sleeping more and moving faster, we were still right in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some aid stations I slept um, a little bit longer, some I didn't sleep at all, or just maybe one I didn't sleep at all, um, and others where I tried to do the quick turnaround, 14, 15 minutes, and it just kind of bit me in the butt where mm. I had to like crawl in the back of the car and go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> How much sleep do you think you got over the four days? Uh, we calculated less than seven hours. Okay. That's yeah. not very much. No, but I actually thought it was a pretty good amount. I mean, for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was pretty surprised that I slept that much. Um, okay. Usually when I get into race mode, I can kind of like just keep plugging away and plugging away, but different than a 30 hour race, you know, a, a 95 hour race. Is, it's a different is animal. A different beast. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow. That's crazy. Um, yeah, man. So walk me through it, man. If you don't mind, like I, I read your blog and it, and in a way it just kind of read like, you know, no offense, like kind of a standard ultra marathon, you know, you got to a certain point. I don't think I can do it, but somehow you bounced back and you kept going and what you did is amazing. Don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, just kind of walk me through it. Um, like, just how did it go? What were the ups? What were the downs? Your highest point, your lowest point? How'd you feel at the end? Want to hear all of it. Sweet. I, um, you know, the first day, the start, it was pretty, uh, pretty relaxed. I actually, um, I wasn't that nervous. I, um, I think I spent, you know, like the last month, um, a, a little ball of nerves. Like, am I really going to toe the line of this 240 mile mm-hmm. It is 2.4 times farther than I've ever gone before, you know, <laughs> you know, I've, I've done like Leadville, which is 105, you know, so, or mm-hmm. I mean, at the most it's 105 if you make a wrong turn or something, but, right. but in short order, you know, I was, I was, I was multiple, you know, the multiplier was pretty big. So, um, so I was, I was pretty big ball of nerves all week leading up to the event. Sure. Um, but surprisingly, I was just kind of relaxed at the starting line and, um, and, and trying to absorb it and take it all in. Um, pretty relaxed, uh, run in the morning. I think we all had the same ideas that we knew it was going to get hot and we were just going to run until, um, until that, um, until the heat hit us. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, nothing special. I think we ran at like 10 minute mile paces, just kind of, uh, trotting along, introducing ourselves where you're from, you know, first one. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So we kind of found, found our groove and found our spot and, uh, settled in with a couple of guys and, um, you know, we were in good spirits, uh, joking around, having, uh, having a good old time. Um, we were probably just before a Masa back aid station, probably about, um, the aid stations at six, 17, six or so, 17 and a half, something like that. Um, and about 16 miles, uh, uh, Goggins came up behind me. Um, and I kind of looked over my shoulder. I saw him coming. So I did the, the old selfie over the shoulder with him in my background. You know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, he, I couldn't break, I couldn't make him uh, smirk though. So, in short oh order, God, I, you can't yeah. make that guy smile. <laughs> yeah, I know. But in short order, yeah, it, it was cool. Um, yeah. You know, so we saw, um, I started at a 645 wave in the the last wave with a seven o'clock wave was like the, the fast guys. Um, and so that's why they were catching us. And so it was, it was fun. It was fun to see the, the front of the pack go past us. Mm-hmm. Um, the eventual winner, um, I can't pronounce his name, but the, uh, the gentleman from um, Italy yes. um, came by first and then uh, Goggins and a, a couple of my buddies, um, Wes Rittner and, um, and others that just, uh, you know, slowly caught us and, and, and started to pick us off uh, essentially. Sure. Um, so that was cool. Kind of, uh, you know, 
to be able to see the front of the race, but not, you know, I mean, not have to be there. Yep. Yep. Um, but then I got hot, you know, um, after a Mazda back, we got into, um, I think it's called um, Jackson's Ladder. Um, it's a little steep uh, descent climb. It's probably only like 600 feet, but it's, it's fairly technical and it, um, it looks scarier than it actually is. But as soon as we hit the bottom of that, it was sand, um, you know, hard pack or, or soft sand um, for the next 20, uh, 20 plus miles. Um, the sun, you know, got pretty high in the sky and um, started to warm things up. Um, I wore a sun shirt, um, which isn't typically um, something I do, but I did wear a full sun hooded shirt. Like um, one of those white shirts that reflects the sun? Okay. Yeah, it was like, I, it's like baby blue or something like that. But oh. yeah, but that same idea. Like, Did you feel like it helped? I don't know. I felt pretty hot in it, but I don't know if I would have felt any cooler, yeah. you know, baking, baking myself in it, um, okay. in the sun itself. Okay. Um, so I, I thought maybe there was a little breathability issue with it, but um, but I still thought it was a good idea and, and, um, and I was willing to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of, uh, you know, hunkered down into that and kept a, a decent trot, but um, uh, but walking any little inclines and just kind of, uh, again, micromanaging um, the effort um, in that heat. Um, and, it, you know, it was, it's odd because it when you, when I talk about the numbers, it doesn't seem that hot. It was only like 85, 87, maybe 89 degrees. Um, but the ground, the, the Moab earth, the, the rocks were just radiating back at, at yourself, you know, Okay. And really hard. Yeah. Um, there's no exposure or there's no, uh, so that, there's no shade or anything out there to, uh, either. There's spots, but, um, but not much. You're right. Yeah. There's not much growth. There's not much trees. Um, and, you know, again, so just at the ground, like I could feel the, the heat off the ground. I was breathing in hot air that was radiating off these rocks, mm. you know, off that sandstone and um, in some slick rock sections and, and just the sand itself. Um, in short order, so I just kind of um, assumed the role of uh, pacing myself super slow and, and being moderate and, um, and let those guys run away from me. Um, and I was uh, joking with in the morning and just kind of staying in my own head. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I had to um, uh, be smart about it. Um, night came and, um, and it felt great for the sun to go down. And, um, and I think it's probably one of the three pictures I took in 96 hours myself. Um, but I took that sunset picture. Um, uh, I don't think I even have it put it anywhere up yet at all. Um, but I have a, a, what I thought was a pretty cool sunset picture. And I actually enjoyed the time alone. I actually didn't settle in with anyone else. Yeah. Um, I just kind of hung by myself and I knew I had plenty of time um, once I got a pacer and my crew that I, I wouldn't be alone. So I was just mm-hmm. enjoying, enjoying the alone time. Nice. Um, so I was like, just in my own head, I didn't put any music on. I was just enjoying being outside. And, um, and, you know, oddly enough, um, the, the thing we kept talking about in that first day is that we, we kind of all assumed that there was no more COVID going on. I mean, like it was just it, like, just, that just kind of slipped your brain. You know, you weren't running with a mask. There was no one talking about social distancing. There was no political views going on, you know? We were we were back to racing and it and it felt really great. You know? mm, cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. That's a good feeling. So the sun came in or the sun set down. I'm sorry. Um we went into Breaking Bad Aid Station. That's where um I saw Seth. Yep. Um Seth volunteered with um I, some friends or, or something along those lines um at this aid station and it was dark. Um and that that looked like a little uh, like a small trauma center of sorts. I mean and there was I actually thought when I got in, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to grab myself a cot. I'm going to lay down and eat a hot dog. You know what I mean? Like that just sounded really good. Mm-hmm. Take the pressure off my feet. And the cots like had bodies on them. Like 
they were indistinguishable. They had blankets and bodies on them. And uh, I had to, <laughs> had to sit on a cooler for a few minutes until a chair became available. <laughs> but um, but it, it did. It, it was bad. And, and I think everyone overstayed their welcome, um, including, my, including myself. Um, but I ate a ton of food, filled up, drank as much as I could, um, and then started to try to catch up for what was lost in that day in um, hydration itself knowing that it was going to be a, a, you know, a tough game to, you know, to bounce back. You never want to start behind. Yeah. Um, and it's always hard to catch up, but, um, but I was able to um, drink a lot of water, get it down. Um, I, I think I, um, I, I left there after about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Um, I didn't spend too much time there. I, mean, I didn't feel like I spent too much time there, but, um, but I rolled out to mile 72 is um, Indian Creek. And that's where I was able to pick up a pacer. Okay. Um, I, I, uh, I think I was in there at like three in the morning, but I, um, but I can't recall quite honestly. How many pacers um, did you have with you total? I had four pacers total. Okay. Um, so I ran a really small crew. Um, I, uh, um, although the race didn't feel like there was um, like any um, huge concerns. I mean, all the measures were taken for uh, safety for COVID and all, um, but it was just good to, to not feel like we were living in this, you know, um, sickly world, you know, getting back to racing and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also, um, had a feeling I was still unsure if we were actually going to have a race in Moab. And so I, um, I wanted to have a super small crew and just kind of, uh, and reuse them and recycle them as best as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my crew is, um, a, a seasoned veterans. Um, my one buddy, Mark, um, has been at all 10 Leadvilles with me. Nice. Um, and, and ran it himself. His wife has finished one time and I paced her, mm. um, you know, so I, just a ton of experience. Um, my wife came down later in the, um, weekend on Saturday with the group, my, um, my young girls, um, and kind of helped a little bit, but, um, but I kind of like let her off the hook so that she didn't have to, uh, do double duty of staying up all night and trying to micromanage the kids and that kind of feat. So yeah. um, I was like, just take a vacation, go on some hikes, take the kids to the pool, see me at the eight stations that are easy. Mm. Um, so I did have four pacers. Um, they worked their way in and out. Um, the first one was Thomas. Um, Thomas and I have been running for, I don't know, a long time, probably eight years, eight, eight mm. plus years together. Um, we've done a lot of adventures. Um, he's not a big racer, um, but he's a great guy and a great runner and, um, super helpful to come out and, um, and pace me. So he took on the first leg from Indian Creek, um, through the Island to, um, Bridger Jack aid station. Um, and that was a full 30 miles. So he did one good 30 mile clip and was done. Um, and then, uh, started leapfrogging the, the crew car, um, ahead. Um, and so we had a good time, Thomas and I, um, there was really nothing to note. I even, was, even in writing my blog and rec, um, reflecting on, um, the experience, there wasn't really anything that, uh, I even asked him, I'm like, man, that there was just nothing out of the norm. We just had like a pretty chill day. We were, you know, micromanaging the heat again. Um, the second day was still hot, but not as hot. And there was a slight breeze that was coming. Um, we would get gusts and it would pick up sand and kind of like just spit sand at you too. So you were getting like pelted a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, um, a pr the second day, um, that Saturday day was pretty normal um, uh, for Thomas and I. Um, you know, we enjoyed ourselves. We, you know, had some good conversation. Uh, we met some new people on the trail that we were either picking up or that were picking us up or, you know, vice versa, kind of a leapfrogging back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, micromanaging the water uh, again with the, the sun shirt, just staying, um, staying in the shade as best, about, um, as, best as possible. Um, 
And so and, like what's going through your head on, on that day too, because at that point you're, you're, you're further along than you've ever run before. Right. Once, like once you're past a hundred miles, uh, you're in uncharted territory. Like, like is your head in a good spot or where are you at? That's a great question. You know, I, um, I, I didn't make a big to do. And I don't think Thomas did either. If I recall um, about going over the 105 mile mark. And I thought pre um, pre race, I thought, you know, like, man, 106, like, I don't really want to look at my watch and be like, man, I'm at 106 miles. Like, this is farthest I've ever run. And I have 134 more to go. You know, like, that's not a thought you want to have in your no. head. So, so um, it came and went and it was, it wasn't um, a big to do. We didn't even probably even talk about it, um, okay. Thomas and I. Um, but to get back to my mental state, um, you know, Thomas and I plotted along and we moved efficiently or as efficiently as we could in the heat, um, obviously um, nearing 100, 120 miles. Um, but quite honestly, um, I mean, I was, I was chopping at the, the chunks of miles. I was chopping away at it in small sections um, instead of thinking of the big picture because um, that, that's a little bit overwhelming to think of 240 miles, um, covering 240 miles. So I was just trying to get to the next aid station. Um, but I'm not quite sure um, I know later on down the line, I knew I was going to finish, but I don't know if at 120 miles, if I thought I'm halfway done and I've got this thing, you know what I mean? I was still sure. uncertain of, oh, yeah. I mean, I was in uncertain ground. I was uncertain territory. I wasn't convinced that, uh, that I was going to make it, um, let alone, um, my mental state. Um, but quite honestly, I mean, anything could happen and could be, you know, debilitating. I mean, if I got a puncture in my bladder, um, you know, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to carry water after that, you know, like just, just a little thing to think of, like, should I carry three extra bladders, you know, like, you know, how much stuff can you carry or, right. or, or micromanage before, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. before um, something catastrophic is going to happen and, and, and break your, break your day, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I'm not convinced I actually thought it was still doable at 120. Um, I mean, I, I think that answers your question, I hope. Yep. Yep. But you're still plodding along. You're still doing good. Your head's in a pretty good place still. Yeah, I'm having um, a decent time. I mean, it's starting to hurt, um, you know, um, but the feet don't feel that bad. I mean, they're not nothing like, you know, the finish line feet feel, but um, sure. but definitely, you know, like you ran 100 miles or moved mm -hmm. efficiently for 100 miles. You know, the, the effort's totally different um, as well. Um, I'm, I'm trying to average um, 18 to 20 minute miles. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's the that's the 80 hour mark or so I want to say maybe 85 hours. I don't know what the math is. I can't remember, but it's somewhere around there. It's, it's a little quicker than I was. I think what it added up on me is those stops. Um, and then that that's how I got to 95 hours, but, um, but I averaged um, right in there around uh, moving while I was moving. I was running, running right around 20 minute miles. Okay. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I've heard that, you know, and I've, I think I've mentioned this on this podcast, but you know, I've heard before that like running a 200 mile race is, you know, almost a little bit easier on the body because there's so much hiking involved. Then if you're running a hundred miles, you're trying to bang that thing out pretty much as quick as possible or in, in a day or so, you know, um, is, was that kind of your experience? Totally. Totally. Really? Yeah. I, um, I mean, I'm not front of the pack on either events, but sure. I mean, I feel like a hundred, um, I've been at Leadville enough, um, mm -hmm. to feel like I'm racing Leadville, mm -hmm. I'm racing my own self, if anything at yep. all. I'm trying to, better my time or get that big buckle or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, and this didn't have that. Um, I had a sense of urgency um, and I, I kind of expressed that to my um, crew. I was like, you know, 
when I say I'm walking, I mean, like, I'm not just like strolling through the mall, like shopping. I'm like, I have a sense of urgency. I'm like fast paced walking. I'm doing 22 minute miles on a, on a steady, constant walk, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so I, that sense of urgency was there. Um, but, but it wasn't a race by any means. I mean, I, I wasn't, uh, I was just trying to see if, if it was achievable. So I yeah. think that's the difference. For sure. Okay. Um, when was the first time you slept? Um, actually, I slept um, before uh, Thomas and I took off um, at um, Indian Creek, mile 72. Um, oh. I, think I, I think I took about uh, 40 minutes. Um, it, was, it was dark. It was um, three, four o'clock in the morning. Um, I did load up on a ton of calories. Um, I, pretty much all of the aid stations generally, I think there's, I don't know, eight maybe, um, probably even more than that. Um, I think all of them, I, um, I took right around a 40 minute, that was my average nap. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I ate a ton of food um, before going to sleep. Um, and the crew while I was sleeping was uh, refilling my bladder, refilling my bottles, um, basically emptying my pack down to bare bones and then repacking it for the next section, whether it be a day section or a night section, um, accordingly for the gear. Um, I'm, I'm pretty organized. I had a big uh, bin, one big bin, and everything was labeled. Everything was in Ziplocs, but um, you didn't have to go digging for anything. I mean, you could just look at the label and you would know what's in it, and, and that's what you would load into the backpack. So Okay. And then you have one car, and someone's shuttling that up to each one of the aid stations, right? Totally. As, you're, as yeah. you're shuffling around pacers. Okay. Yeah. They're trading off driving. And, yep. um, and then there's a mattress in the back of my car. Mm. Um, my, my nine-year-old's mattress from her room is, is uh, <laughs> the back seats are down and the mattress is slid in. Um, and, uh, and I told the crew, I said, bring all your own sleeping bags. And uh, when it's my turn to sleep, I'll sleep in my bag and you guys can sleep in your bag, you know? So that hurry up and wait game, if you ever, you obviously crewed before, um, yep. you know, they, they drive two hours to an aid station they wait six hours for me to show up. I'm there for an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And then yeah. they, uh, pack it all up, you know, rotate the driver and push on to the next aid station. Yeah. So on and so forth. Is that a stressor for you while you're in the race, like worrying about your crew and sort of managing, managing them in a way and, you know, worrying about them being up here waiting for six hours and, and so on and so forth. You know, quite honestly, no. Um, my crew is sound, man. I totally believe in them. Mm. Um, they are, uh, we are just a well-oiled machine. I think we just nice. sent this a t- text message thread earlier today um, about being a well-oiled machine. These guys, um, we got them, uh, we got them uh, directions and waypoints um, from one aid station to the next. Um, I went out and scouted a bunch um, or a couple sections in March um, and then went back out three weeks before the event with Thomas um, the, uh, the main driver after he ran 30, I knew Thomas was set for the rest of the day. He knew every spot and every parking spot and, um, you know, um, they're, they're good to go. They, um, they understood it and, um, and, and know enough to, um, you know, stay out of harm's way. They weren't going to get, you know, lost on some dirt road. Okay. Um, everything was, um, pre-planned and, and really spelled out. Um, there, there was actually no worry of crew at all. Actually, okay. I was a little worried about my wife, quite honestly. Sure. Um, and just the timing of how she was going to like try to show up at an aid station with the girls. Um, she showed up at one at like 9 PM and I didn't expect her to be there. I just thought the kids would be, you know, in the camper sleeping at the campground. Um, but she figured it out and got there and they gave her directions and, and got her there. Cool. So I knew the crew, I knew the crew car would be everywhere. I needed it to be. Okay. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't sure when I was going to see my wife. Okay. Yeah. Um, so before we, 
get into the second half of the race. So I've sort of built this business around crewing and pacing. And, you know, we can go to people's races if they don't know anybody in the state or in town and we can help them, you know, we can crew for them, we can pace for them. What are a couple of your favorite things that your crew or pacers do for you that you, that are just key? Um, they don't, um, I mean, the, the obvious ones are they don't um, encourage negative talk. And, um, and quite honestly, I didn't even, I had some bad moments, but I never like vocalized them. I never said this sucks or, you know, I mean, I, I, I might've said I'm hurting, you know, I mean, the, the, the honest feelings, but nothing like negative mm-hmm. um, came out of me. Um, they kept everything lighthearted. Um, I think that's just total uh, key. I also think um, I've crewed um, uh, and paced a ton of people myself um, um, throughout the years. Um, I in- really enjoy, I- I'll volunteer for somebody I don't even know. Yeah. Just be like, hey, I'll show up and run 50 miles with you. It's fun. Um, it's fun, yeah. man. I actually, I just did it at uh, Sanger de Cristo at. Um, oh, nice. I, I paced um, Nathan Lee for 42 miles of his 100. Oh, cool. We were out there. Yep. I yeah, passed yeah, that I, race too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Missed, I missed you there. I knew you were there. Okay, um, cool. In short order though, um, I also think I'm an extrovert. I love to talk and, um, and I could uh, overly talk. And especially if you get me talking about running, I could just talk for hours about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the same note, I think it's okay um, to be out there and to feel bad and hurt and, and it's acceptable to have like silence. It's acceptable to kind of like let the moment just be. It doesn't have to be always filled with a music playlist or, or a conversation or telling me about, you know, uh, something that maybe isn't interesting me right at the moment, you know, like it's okay to just have a, you know, silence for a little bit and just Mm -hmm. kind of enjoy the process and, and be out there in nature and enjoy each other's company without even saying anything. Yeah. So I think those are are pretty clutch um, crew pacer um, suggestions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the best pacers are probably like the one, your buddies, the people that you know, and that you're comfortable with and that, you know, you, you can, you can have a conversation that's comfortable and not stressed. You're not trying to like fill the silence voids and, and yeah, you can just stop talking and just be, and just be out there enjoying the run in the middle of the night or whatever. But um, yeah, man, that's cool. That's really cool. Okay, second half of the race. How are you? How are you feeling? Um, did it get? Uh, was I'm guessing there was some carnage on the course. Um, how how was it for you? Uh, there was carnage, you know, but we we thinned out so much after 120 miles. Um, it was hard to see. Um, I saw the same people, but I saw less of them. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I I don't know if they were dropping, if they were you know moving faster, more efficiently than I was ahead of me, or if they were behind me, or if they were out of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the numbers were thinning um, and, and the race was stretching um, and okay. those two factors just kind of made us feel like we were a little bit more out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a pacer again, I picked up. Um, so last minute, um, you want to talk about pre-race stress um, just a couple days before the event. Um, a, a good friend of mine from Denver um, had a medical issue and was not able to come and help us out as crew and pacer. Um, he was going to probably run a good section of 30 plus miles with me. Mm. Um, and he was dead set. He was like, yeah, I'll be there. And I was like, no, don't, don't, don't make me help you to the aid station. Like <laughs> I, I need you to keep an eye on me. So, so I called him off and said, Hey, don't worry about it. And I reached out to a, um, a local, uh, a young man in here in town, um, a local, um, um, a local kid, a local young man that, um, wanted to, um, be, he's a, he's a big fan of Goggins. He wants to get into ultra running. Nice. Um, all this kind of stuff. And so I just cool. put it out there and he's like, I don't have a job right now. I'm just 
you know, working out and training. He's getting ready to go into the service himself. Perfect. And I was like, hey, you want to go out to the desert for five days? You know, and I kind of lured him in with the Goggins treat. I was like, hey, Goggins is going to be there, you know? And he's like, yeah, I'm in. Nice. So, uh, so Justin, um, he was awesome. He did a great job. He fit cool. right in with our crew. Um, they went for a run after the fact here locally in Glenwood. Oh. Um, you know, he's just kind of uh, fitting into one of us. I spoke with him earlier this morning on the phone about uh, something – something non-related, but, um, but in short order, he just kind of fit right in. He jumped in and he jumped in at 120 miles, um, and paced me up, uh, Shea mountain as it, it's a plot. It's, it's 4,000 gain in about, um, 18 or 20 miles or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it just steadily gets steeper and steeper and steeper until you're at the aid station. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the beginning is super fun. We're running in a riverbed and then, you know, then you got some rollers and then you get some decent climbs and then you're just in it, you know? Yep. Um, and so, and, uh, he did well and, um, and he held in there. It was the longest he's ever gone. Oh, the section was 19 miles. And I remember that because it was the longest he's ever gone, um, on foot. Awesome. So, so, uh, so kind of exciting for him and he was oh, pumped yeah. and I mean, he, he, you know, he's a ball of energy and he's a, he brings a young life to our, um, older, you know, aging 40, forties crew, you know, yeah. like, yeah. He's, he's, is a young 19 year old um animal and he and he's and he's just full of energy so it was a good spirit to have him there for sure um, i'm really- guessing that's a big inspiration for him too i mean young kid coming in running this you know helping pace this 240 mile race it's i'm sure he's kind of wide-eyed and, and fired up now that's totally cool. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah totally cool so he got me through to uh shea mountain um we had a good time. Uh, we talked a lot. Um, I didn't know much about him and I learned a lot in 19 miles. Um, mm-hmm. he had a ton of questions about the ultra running world and how he could get involved and, you know, and so, uh, you know, it was just a good, a good change of pace, um, from the norm cool. of, um, of, of, you know, my buddies that we kind of know all those things about each other already. So for sure. Um, yep. um, it was cool. Um, he jumps off. I take another nap, another, you know, the whole process, uh, another 40 minute nap, you know, another two cheeseburgers, um, just whatever I could get in for calories mm-hmm. and, um, and, the, um, change of, uh, shoes. And, um, and then, uh, my buddy Marcus, um, jumps on and, uh, and we leave that aid station and it, it, it falls about 3000 feet in the next 20 miles or so. Um, and when I ran it three weeks ago, man, I, I kind of flew down it. I was having fun. I was doing airplane arms, you know, just like, you know, mm-hmm. the whole thing. And, uh, and man, it did not happen after, after <laughs> you know, it did not happen at Moab. I was, I was slowly, and actually the downhill kind of hurt, you know, you're always breaking and, um, and yep. your toes are running in the front of your shoes and I'm just kind of like holding myself back. And, um, we ran a little bit of it. Um, I, I we, we were efficient, um, but nowhere near like three weeks prior where I was having a good old time. And I For just sure. thought, man, this is, this is what I want to do three weeks oh, from now. Oh, crush like, it. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> it happen, happen that way. <laughs> no, it didn't happen that way. Um, and um, nothing else really. But, oh, I did take a trail nap. Um, my first trail nap, I pulled out this emergency bivy um, right at sunrise. It's usually the time that I have the, um, the worst time with uh, sleepiness. Um, at 5 30 6 a.m mm-hmm. just before sunrise you know last bit of uh of you know the coldest and darkest part of the night type of thing mm-hmm. and uh so i pulled out the emergency bivy um told mark 20 25 minutes um i don't know what he did on the side of the trail in the dark but we shut off our headlamps i i slipped into this um 
a sleeping bag, a space bag thing. Yep. And, uh, okay. and I wasn't sure how well it was going to work. I hadn't tried it out. Um, but I, you know, I said, I'm tired enough that I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure this out. So, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. so I slept 25 minutes. Um, it didn't breathe at all. The only issue I had is it didn't breathe. And, um, and so I woke up and when I took it off of me, everything I had on was a little sweaty and damp mm. from the bag, the, the space bag, not breathing, you know, okay. um, but otherwise it, it worked. I slept 25 minutes. And as soon as I started moving, the, the air hit the, the damp clothes I had on and kind of, you know, right. dried off and it was okay. fine. We made it into um, a dry, uh, dry Creek. Um, I want to say that's the name of the station, Dry Creek. Um, we made it in the dry Creek, um, aid station, um, dropped off Mark. This is the aid station. So I just slept probably about an hour, uh, maybe an hour, hour and a half, um, maybe even two hours later, um, or prior. I mean, um, so I rolled in, um, we did a quick shoe change, did a quick gear change and, we went to the aid station. I ate a bunch of food at the aid station and Leanne and I, Leanne and I took off. Um, and this is a section I did scout um, and I kind of wish I did. Um, it's called Dry Valley. Um, it goes Dry Valley, Wind Whistle is the next aid station. Um, and this is Dry Valley's at 140, uh, okay. Wind Whistle's at 153. And the next time I would see my crew would be at 167. So about 27 miles without um, any real crew access, um, just, my, just my pacer. Um, it happens to be nine o'clock in the morning um, and we didn't scout this section, but it is just long dirt or sand roads. I mean, and they're just long and straight. I mean, it's just as long and as straight as you can see, um, just unbelievably long. Um, well, t- 27, 37 miles or whatever that is mm-hmm. um, long. And, and your point, and they point you right at the LaSalle mountains and that's your next stage is to go over the LaSalle's. So you're like, it's like this, you know, a, it just adds to the insult of like, you know, like <laughs> you're never getting to these mountains. And when you get there, you have to go over them. Then you, know? you have to climb them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's where it really hurt. That's where, that's where the kind of the wheels fell off. Okay. Uh, everything kind of imploded. I was uh, 140, 150 miles in. Um, the wind kicked up uh, early that morning um, and just kept a driving headwind right into us. Mm. Um, we could see rain clouds off on the LaSalle's and eventually they caught us. Um, so that picked up some sand that, um, dropped a little bit of rain on us. And, uh, uh from a bicycle background, I, um, Leanne was walking in front of me and I was kind of like, uh, drafting behind her to get out of the wind and out of the rain a little bit, just as much as we could. Of course, we're only moving at, you know, a, a 24 minute mile, mm-hmm. um, if that, and, uh, but just anything helped and the sand was just ripping around and swirling um it you know it was everywhere and um and it was my low point um it it was just uh, miserable I, I couldn't fathom another 100 miles mm-hmm. you know um you know ahead of me um, I was into my I was into Sunday I want to say so um you know I've been I'm on my feet for a long time so far um and uh and we turn and we have this and, you know the it's like two miles maybe two and a half miles to this aid station on this uh, paved road and it just steady climbs. I mean, it wasn't even that bad of a grade. I mean, it, 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 on any other day, it wasn't that bad of a grade, Sure. Um, but I could not get myself to move up it. And I, I was leading on the poles. I was, you know, I, you know, I was doing everything. And I actually, I just wanted a spot of shade to sit in, but there's nothing out there. Um, I mean, not one shrub tall enough to get <laughs> under. 
nothing uh, to hide, nothing to sucks. hide behind. Yeah, yeah, nothing, you know, nothing anywhere. Um, a funny story is that Leanne um, was asking me at the aid station uh, at this point, like six hours prior, asking me if, what I thought about, she was going to bring an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, why would we need an umbrella? That's a ridiculous idea. I'm like, why, who brings an umbrella? That's ridiculous. We don't need an umbrella. Like, let's just get moving, you know? Might so, have been a good uh, idea. Wow, the wind was so bad. I was joking that uh, oh. we would have had the, the most intricate piece of trash brought to the aid station. It would have been this twisted umbrella. It would have been just this mangled, twisted umbrella. Like, Got what it. is that? Like, it was an umbrella, but, <laughs> but, but it's not anymore. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but I, I really wish at that very moment on the side of that road, I wish she had an umbrella with her. <laughs> it probably would have just blown away. For sure. Yeah. yeah, but I, uh, yeah, laid down in the middle of the road. I just, um, I, I just couldn't muster up anymore. Um, it, it was, it was at that point, I, um, I had to make hard decisions. Um, you know, like what, what was I going to, where was I going to pull from to uh, get out of this hole? Mm -hmm. Where was I going to dig deep from um, inside myself? And, you know, what am I doing here? I got all this crew here. I got four people. I got, um, you know, the, the four crew, I got my wife and kids have shown up already. You know, how are we going to dig out of this hole? How are we going to make this happen? Um, you know, and, and that, and I'm battling the self-talk, the, the self-doubt, um, mm -hmm. you know, big at that moment, like, well, you, you did a great try, man. You, you, you really, you know, a for effort, but let's, let's get the heck out of here. Let's go back to the campground and mm -hmm. hang out with the kids and mm -hmm. call it a day, you know, maybe next year you train harder, you know, all those right. things, man, just right. running through my head. And, um, you know, I had, I had to figure it out. I, um, I, I said it in the blog, it felt like I laid there for like an hour, hour and a half, but, um, but it was probably at, at 10 minutes at the most. Um, Leanne uh, said it was, it was legitimately like only 10 minutes at the most. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> but it just felt like forever. And it was just the compounding thoughts in my own head, whirling around, um, just be battling my own insides of, of uh, you know, am I going to be able to get up and move forward? So um, I, I eventually stared myself up, leaning on the poles and uh, strapped the pack back on and, uh, it took me um, an hour and 15 minutes to go a mile, um, yeah. a mile and a half to get to that aid station. Um, and uh, an aid station worker on the way to the aid station stops and like, just is like, he okay? <laughs> and she's like, he's going to be, he's going to be all right. And she's like, you just got to make it to the aid station and drives off, you know, and I, I, mean, I had almost the, uh, the thought just to raise my hand and be like just give me a ride to the aid station right like, right it's you know, like, crazy the things, the things that yeah. go through your head at that point you're like ah, i could just catch a ride or maybe yeah. i can cheat nobody yeah. would know and of course these aren't things you would normally do but the crazy things that go through your head at that point yeah, yeah. I, I already had planned in my head like i was going to go to zach's it's a it's a pizza joint in moab okay and i'm like oh i'm going to zach's i'm getting that like some weird salad some like um like kale salad with salmon on top of it i'm like you know that that's that's the end game for me right here you know like that's what i want right now you know? <laughs> right right chilling with a pepsi and, and and be done with it um so where did you pull the inspiration from or did did it just happen i mean a lot of times in ultras you just sort of bounce back magically or or did you dig deep somewhere deep inside you think about your kids or something crazy that inspired you or, or what was it like Totally. Yeah. I went, I went to all the reasons I was here and, um, and I kind of spilled it out in the blog. Um, you know, I got, I got four eyeballs and my little girls are always watching every move. They know, mm -hmm. they know, even though if I go run at nine, 10 o'clock at night and I come home at two in the morning, they know 
when they wake up in the morning, they're like, how far did you run last night? You know I mean? They, they're asking questions. They, cool. they are involved in, cool. uh, in the ultra world. They, um, they know way more about it than you would imagine. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, I'm like, I don't know if I have the heart to tell them, like, I didn't have it in me. Like, what, what is that? Is that really a viable excuse? You know, like, so I was like, all right, let's peel myself off the ground, at least get to the aid station. I'm like, all right, get to the aid station. And I start taking the race advice, um, which is a check-in, which was, um, you know, eat a ton of food and get a good sleep um, before you decide to quit. And I said, well, let's just, let's just try that for starters. You know, you never know what the heck happens. So it's probably like 75 degrees outside, 80 degrees outside. It's, it's, a, it's late afternoon, three, four o'clock. We, I finally roll into that aid station. I get a horse blanket. Um, I get a cot and I wrap myself up with all the gear in my pack and lay down and I can't like stop shivering, you know, like I'm cold and like my body's just like wonky, you know, like it mm-hmm. is not, it is mm-hmm. not, you know, like everyone else is in a tank top at this aid station, you know, and here I am like all my, my night gear on my rain jacket on yeah. a buff, a buff completely over my face, <laughs> just trying to keep all the warmth in the, the hooded uh-huh. and people were even walking up and looking at me like, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just not feeling it. And, um, and I did eat like a huge burrito. Um, I woke up, I still felt like garbage. Um, and I, it, I didn't know how to break it till the end that, um, that really in my head, my, my game was over. Like that was it. I was like, I'm done. This is, this isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I had the conversation after the fact, I was like, I just asked her, I'm like, Hey, would you, would you have come and got me? Like if I would have texted you from way out in the middle of no man's land, would you have like driven out there and picked me up? And I'm like, I know it puts you in a weird spot because like you love me and don't want to see me suffer, mm-hmm. but you also know that, you know, I put a lot of effort into this and you don't, you know, want to enable me just to go back and get a salad at Zach's um, <laughs> pizzeria, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, and so she's like, well, I probably would have came out and kind of uh, assessed the damage and, and based on you just not feeling well, would have told you to keep on moving, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know mm-hmm. but I, I never did um, message her. Um, yeah anything um i think i told her i I wasn't feeling great um we were in contact through um a tracker Mm -hmm. and um and just said i wasn't feeling great you know she said she's watching the tracker she was she was rude for me you know something along those lines and so i said well i can't call her i can't put her in that spot to come and get me so Mm -hmm. i was just i'll suffer it out i'll walk the next 13 miles to the aid station and then and then we're getting salad at sex you know (laughs) okay i'm I'm still quitting here you know like i'm but i didn't i didn't say anything to leanne quite honestly i was just like let's just plot along and and unfortunately i was like already like in the mindset it was going to be the death march like it was just going to be that stumble i mean like almost drunken you know like just wobble back and forth across a dirt road for hours until i get to this aid station and uh we started moving and uh, leanne always keeps everything super lighthearted. she's super sweet and you know um lighthearted conversation she asked about um hey you haven't even played any music yet and i was like oh man i I built this monster playlist that I spent like a, you know, half a day building. Um, and I was like, let's, let's try it out. So I put on a playlist and start humming along a little bit. And then we get, you know, to the top of this little rise. And then it just starts falling um, for like eight miles, a, a nice slow fall too, not a like, not super steep on a dirt road mm-hmm. on a, on a really nice dirt road. And, uh, and I started to pick up pace. I started walking faster and, uh, um, I was, uh, peeking well, I mean, like all those things just started clicking again. And I was like, you know, we were singing along, talking about, I was like, Hey, you know, she asked about concerts and it was like, it was just a thing that was not running related that I was like, Oh, I've been to this concert. And she's like, I've been to that concert. And cool. she, 
just sharing things that aren't running related and how, how bad I was hurting. And, uh, and sure enough, we're trotting, sure enough, we're running, you know, a 14 minute mile, then we're running a 12 minute mile. And, uh, you know, we we're just clipping along, picking people up and um, encouraging them to like, mm-hmm. you know, like keep moving. We're, you know, anything's possible at this point. And, and, and at that moment, I mean, I just couldn't believe where I was at three, four hours prior to that to where I was at currently. And I was like, we're getting this done. This is, mm-hmm. This is the game changer. Nice. There's no way. Um, I have, you know, uh, probably a little less than 100 miles to go, probably like 80 miles to go or something along those lines. But, but there's no way I'm not getting this done. Okay. Um, we're gonna, we, we, we gotta figure out a way to get it done. And I, I was slightly hesitant. I wasn't um, arrogant or cocky about it, um, yep. knowing that um, I, I could uh, be on that same low, even lower, um, you know, eventually soon enough. Um, but just kind of knowing that that ultra. Um, waves ebb and flow and, and there's highs the highest highs and the lowest lows and I'm just not sure you know how low the next low might be if I had one mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so we roll into the aid station and um, I don't know it was probably nine ten o'clock it was nine o'clock at night um, the girls and my wife were there so they surprised me so I jumped in that car ate dinner with them basically um, I was eating cheeseburgers and um, the girls were telling me about swimming with a friend of ours at the campground and um, you know, my wife's there, she's got the dog, we're just having a good old family hangout, you know, mm. in this event, and my crew's, my crew's, like, unpacking and repacking my gear, and, uh, you know, eventually, um, you know, 20, 30 minutes after, basically, dinner, um, I lay down for a little bit, and, um, and get a good, uh, good nap in, uh, my wife and kids leave, and, uh, and I wake up at, like, uh, just before midnight, and, uh, and, and Mark and I, uh, Mark jumps back in again, for his second leg, and um, and we start this long, uh, thirty-five mile-ish plus um, section. Another station that we're not going to go to is Pole Canyon, so it goes from Road Forty-six to Pole Canyon to Geyser Pass, um, and we opted um, for wheel drive only access for Pole Canyon, mm. um, which we had, but I just didn't want to risk it. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't seem like it was worth it, um, and it puts um, it puts crew on the completely wrong side of town. Um, where if they just go to Geyser Pass, it was it was kind of like towards Moab and, okay. and kind of winding down and, and, and kind of it flowed better for the crew to go there. Um, so we didn't go, we elected not to go to Pole Canyon um, and use that as an aid station. So uh, set off um, with another runner um, that we're all familiar with as well. Another uh, local guy uh, to your side, to the front range, uh, uh, Ryan McAfee. He's yeah. a, a Colorado Springs um, guy. Okay. And uh, we've done Leadville before. We've done Leadman before. Um, and we're usually right in the same time frame, finishing right around the same time, mm-hmm. um, at those types of events. And we were hanging out most of the, um, event ourselves this time. Um, and so we, uh, kind of joined forces and all four of us set off, um, um, Ryan and I, and then our pacers. Um, so the four, some of us take off and, uh, it was great. We had a great time going up to pole Canyon. Um, it's dark, it's fairly cold. It's getting cooler. We're getting higher. Um, but the, the dynamic of four people was way better than the dynamic of two. Uh, sure. Mark and I can always entertain each other, uh, but I was able to hang out with Benji, who's Ryan's um, pacer, and Mark and Ryan um, stayed about 10 feet behind us and talked mm. mountain bikes, and uh, Benji and I caught up on stuff that I never knew about Benji, you know, mm. like, and so it was, it was a cool dynamic, and then I was able to hang out with Ryan, um, and then I had my own pacer, Mark, you know, so it kind of had a better um, round-robin uh, conversation feel. Yep. Um, one of the more powerful moments in there is that uh, uh, 
we're just trucking along. I mean, uh, nothing fast, but um, but just steady plotting. And uh, and we split a band of coyotes, and they're yip howling. Uh, three are on one side, on the high side, and one's down below us. And uh, and we're just splitting them. And uh, we, you know, we got all our lights on, and we're just you know everywhere with the headlamps, looking around and, and trying to spot them. Wow. Um, we thought we thought we caught one below us, but man, it was cool. The moon was coming up in a weird angle, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those moments that you know you you, you won't soon forget. That's it right there. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how you'll have those moments. It's like, this is one of those moments. I'm just going to remember when I look back on this race, this is one of those magical moments. So yeah, I've been yeah. there, man. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Ryan had, um, Ryan had elected to send his crew to uh, pole Canyon. Um, they drove a big truck out and, um, and didn't have any issues getting there. Um, again, I just didn't feel like it was um, in our cards. Um, the crew's going to be tired, uh, lots of driving um, for not that much reward. And so, uh, so our plan was to just be quick in and out at Pole Canyon. Um, I did ch- jump in the truck for um, a 14 minute power nap. Um, but I was also concerned about Mark. He wasn't able to get into the truck um, just, be- just because of the cab. Ryan was in the back laying down and I was basically in the front seat. Um, and Ryan was going to take a little bit longer of a nap, a good 40 minutes to an hour um, before pushing off and warming up. Um, and it was about 20 degrees outside. Um, and I knew Mark was just hanging around a propane fire pit, um, which can only last so long before you start to get cold at it. So, um, so I jumped out and, and I, and my assumption was correct. Mark was, Mark was pretty cold. And I said, let's just let's start pushing. So, uh, you know, um, we pushed, um, and I pushed pretty hard, um, surprisingly hard, even, um, with all those miles in my legs, uh, climbed like a madman. And that's kind of my thing, uh, living here in the mountains. I love, um, going uphill and, mm-hmm. um, and doing those things. And, uh, so we pushed hard um, and the sun came up and we had a great morning um, just enjoying the views and just, you know, heads on swivels, just looking around at the, the sun rising on all these little, little peaks that you would never even know exist in the uh, LaSalle mountains. Um, you know, from, from the highway and even from Moab, it looks like two or three peaks in there. But uh, when, you, when you start to get really close up and in there, um, there's probably, you know, half a dozen or even more. Mm. Um, these just these little rises that just stand out in different you know angles and pitches Mm -hmm. and uh uh, the leaves were still on most of them so they were totally changing and just Mm -hmm. you know beaming with color and yeah just just a cool scene it was really cool nice Um, yeah we enjoyed that um yeah uh so it it was a long stretch and uh man uh, mark was out there forever it felt like i mean i I I know he was spent by the time he got to the end i think he was i'm not sure um, but it seemed like a long way to geyser. I mean, you get over the climb, um, and it just kind of, um, uh, rolls for probably another, uh, 10 or 15 miles. Um, and, and we just plotted through, uh, we stayed consistent. We ran the sections we could, um, obviously ran the downs a little bit of the flats, if it was flat enough, or if I had enough, um, you know, enough, uh, recovery between it. Um, and then, um, just, uh, steady uh, power hiking up the ups, you know, this, this typical um, ultra type of um, mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I, another thing to note in that area is I caught my toe hard um, and, and a slow blink, you know, just, just been up so many hours and, and on my feet for so long. I, I, um, I caught my toe on this route and uh, on, a, on a little section that um, was descending. And uh, I mean, all the rocks and dirt and tree roots and everything in Moab, I, I caught my toe and landed in a big pile of soft dirt um, and I, with, with a thud, luckily, um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I could have, you know, and I hit hard, I hit my face, like to the ground, wow. like no reaction time, no <laughs> nothing. 
just just a just a clip of my toe and mark was super concerned uh you know like i had to spin around and sat down we kind of did like the whole first aid like assessment like okay like everything's moving let's let's check the feet let's check the ankles let's check the neck you know and uh, doing the feeling of my face and uh short order i was i was good to go um other than uh i I was just gonna say you're lucky i mean that could have been that could have been it right there if you'd fallen on some rocks or something so you're lucky you, you landed in a soft spot yeah, super wow. lucky, and yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, really grateful that um, it, when it did happen, I was I was able to fall in some soft dirt. Yeah, um, yeah and other than that, um, we rolled into Geyser. Um, it was it was getting hot again, and the next section I knew I did um, I am familiar with. Um, so I uh, it's, it's exposed. It's a it's Sand Flats Road. I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, how familiar with Moab you are. It's Sand Flats Road, and it's it's. Um, it slopes facing west and the sun's going down. It's like two o'clock. I mean, it's not going down, but it's, it's high and it's only going to go down. And I knew we were going to be in the sun for a long time moving forward. So um, kind of like made the decision, like we're not in a race here. Um, let's, let's call it off until like five o'clock and wait till the sun goes down a little bit, wait till it cools, mm-hmm. um, get a ton of food and move on. And, um, and my wife was at that aid station at Geyser Pass with the girls and the crew car was there. They had it all backed in and, we had like, you know, a bunch of chairs set up and it was, you know, I, I said it again, I said it at the blog, but man, it was super chill. We just had a good time. Like it, there was no pressure on, um, there was no event, you know, like there was nothing I needed to get up for. Um, the aid station was awesome. They, uh, they had like a, basically like a menu and you ordered off the menu and they wrote it down and then they went and cooked it and then they brought it to you. They were oh, trying wow. to be super, super COVID cautious and, okay. uh, you know, they didn't even want you in there, but they were, you know, but they came up with a plan on how to not get you in there. They were like, mm. Hey, we'll come to you. So they basically did like waiter service. And, uh, and I think I got like two cheeseburgers and another burrito in there. I mean, I was just loading up on calories, nice. and, uh, eating and drinking as much as I could. Um, the girls were telling me my, my, uh, daughters were telling me about their day. And, um, you know, my wife's kind of like rubbing my back. I mean, it was chill. My feet were up, you know I mean? It was, it was a so pretty like, nice, no stress. No pretty nice afternoon. Yeah, it was That's a pretty cool. nice afternoon, man. It was super good. Another one of those times that like, I won't quickly forget. We're all mm. just looking around and everyone's just talking amongst themselves when I'm kind of like taking myself out of the picture and just kind of like absorbing all the, the surroundings. Everyone's mm-hmm. just chatting and, and Justin's fitting in totally well. He's again, the new guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he's just, you know, he's right in there joking with everyone and, you know, throwing in a sarcastic comment, you know, mm-hmm. it, which is kind of tough for the new guy, you know, like, but, you know, but, but playing the game, you know, so it was cool. It was a, it was a good experience. Nice. Um, Justin jumps back in, we take off out of geyser um, and run a decent clip. Um, it's a dirt road descends, I don't know, probably 1500 feet or so. Um, and, and again, his last leg was his longest um, run of 19 miles. And this time um, the leg is 22 miles. Ooh. Nice. So he's, he's already setting new PRs every time he goes with me. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> That's so inspirational pays, for that kid. Yeah. So he paces me down 22 miles uh, to the aid station. And I was, I was pumped. I was feeling good. And I was, you know, smelling the barn, you know, like the, mm-hmm. he got some good sunset pictures mm-hmm. um, and we're rolling into the aid station and I'm like, man, I'm done messing around. Like we're doing a 15 minute turnaround. We are, we're, I'm going to do this power nap. Um, wake me up in 12 minutes, you know, and the crew's completely against it. I could just tell. Um, but I, I kind of got Justin already like cornered on the way down. And I was like, Hey, like I want a 15 minute power nap and I want you to repack the bag and I want to get moving. I want to get this thing done. I want to be, you know, I just want to enjoy the rest of the day and, and not be on course, you know, I'm 
Mm-hmm. I, I've been moving for a long time now. And it's like Monday night now. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's three and a half days. I'm going in the night four, basically. Yeah. And, uh, and, and just as I asked him, Justin, you know, opens the car door 14 minutes later. And he's like, yo, it's 14 minutes. And I was like, wasted. I mean, like there was, there was no moving my body. <laughs> like my legs did. I couldn't even pick up my foot to get it out of the car. You know, and I was like, I, like, I got to crawl in the back of this thing and sleep. So they, they let me sleep 40 minutes. So, um, okay. so that plan didn't work, but, uh, but, but good on me not to, to push the issue. Yep. Uh, even 40 minutes later, I woke up. And uh, it was completely groggy, uh, just yawning and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, just, just tired. And, and the miles and the, and the lack of like real sleep was just mm-hmm. piling up. And so I knew I had one more to go. Um, Leanne jumps back in last leg, um, really excited, 17 miles down Porcupine Rim, a really famous mountain biking trail. Um, it's got some technical stuff in it um, as far as descending. Um, it's probably midnight, maybe uh, right around in there. Um, and, um, and we get it done. Um, there's, there's a lot of, um, unsafe edges in porcupine, um, rim trail. Um, but in the night we can't even see them. Like we, like, we don't even know where they're at. We're just following little, um, dragon's tails or, or trail markers or, um, you know, whatever we could find. Um, but I'm having trouble, um, I'm having trouble finding the line and the line of least resistance. And, um, so Leanne's in front of me and I'm kind of, she's following the line and I'm following her line just to kind of keep us moving. Um, I did wind up like uh, messing with my phone so much that I called 911 um, dispatch. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. Like four in the morning, they're like, what's your location? And I'm like, oh, this guy's going to send like a helicopter out to come and us or something, you know? And and so I'm like, hey, we're on the Porcupine Rim Trail. And it's like a profusely apologizing, like, hey, I hit too many buttons on my phone. I probably can't be the first person that's done that. Yeah. Just total accident. Yeah, but a total accident. I'm actually really good, um, but I'm not saying it as clearly as I am right now. I'm completely groggy and slurring <laughs> my words. You know? So I'm, I'm not quite sure if he believed me or not, but he, he kind of said, like, give us a call if you need anything. You know, like, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that's funny. And um, yeah, we hit um, pavement. We got a 5K to go on a, on a bike path. And, uh, you know, uh, no matter how bad your feet hurt at that point, you know, you know, you're in, you know, you mm-hmm. got it done. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the messages are just, uh, my phone's just, you know, vibrating off of my chest pack and, uh, and, and you know, every, everyone's, you know, my, uh, the crew's getting the, the, my wife and kids and they're all co- convening like a, a half a mile away at the park um, to walk in with me. And so mm-hmm. I'm just pumped. And I look back and I hadn't seen anyone in front of us for a long time. We were, we were, uh, apparently we were the front of a really big group that was coming in to finish. Um, um, way behind the leaders, obviously, but just, just, um, just the front end. So we never saw anyone in front of us and we never really thought to look back, but we get down onto the bike path and look back and we could see 10 or 15 lights all the way up the, the rim trail itself. So I'm like, well, let's, let's have our moment. Let's make sure we get in and don't have to share it with anyone else. Not that I don't want to share, but you know what I'm saying? I, you know, mm-hmm. have the whole finish line shoot to myself type of thing. So yep. um, we just start plugging away on the bike path and, uh, and, and, and run a decent clip. Um, I bet I was running 10 or 12 minute miles. Wow. Um, bike path running, um, just That's impressive. Pure, pure adrenaline though. I mean, there yep. was, yeah, I don't even know if I had feeling in my feet. I mean, it was probably better than not, but, uh, but pure adrenaline rush, just, just knowing it was going to get done. Um, we hit the park, um, just like those lead bills when you walk in that last mile from, uh, sixth street, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, like another one of the moments where, uh, the whole crew's together, 
I'm holding my kids' hands, you know, I'm fighting back the, the choking up the tears, you know, I don't want to be the big sobbing baby at the finish line, but man, I sure, I also wanted to be the big sobbing baby at the finish line, you know? Um, yeah, so I mean, it was just powerful, really cool, and, uh, and, and got in, got it done, uh, picked out a buckle, and, uh, and moved out of the way so other people could finish, man. It was great. Wow, wow, congrats, dude. That's just... It's a huge accomplishment. It's crazy, man. I mean, it's a long, long way, man. I mean, yeah, unreal. So um, when you finished, I'm always curious, did you celebrate? Did you pass out? What what did that look like? Did you eat a big meal or how did it go? Um, The racers got a pizza at the finish line, um, Mm -hmm. participants. Um, So like a little personal pizza, Mm -hmm. um, like an oven, like a, you know, a like a really good one, like an, um, a stone brick oven type of wine, oh. you know, like and all the toppings you wanted on it, whatever, whatever you asked for. Sweet. Um, so bring that out to me. I'm sitting around a fire pit with my crew. I got my buckle in my pocket, got a coffee mug and a poster, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, suck down this pizza, but you know, like the adrenaline's going like, I, obviously I want to sleep, but, um, uh, and I'm not a good sleeper. We could go back to that again. I'm not a good sleeper. So, uh, you know, wrap it up. And I was, you know, I was, trying to encourage everyone else to get some sleep too. And so I said, Hey, let's, and they also needed a bail. They needed to get out of town um, and, and go back to, you know, their lives. They've sure. spent five days in the desert so far. And, and uh, you know, I didn't want to waste any more of their time. So mm-hmm. I was like, Hey, it was, uh, I finished at like six fifteen in the morning. Um, so maybe by seven in the morning, we were done with our, um, our whole deal. And I said, Hey, let's, let's do an early lunch at 11 a.m. at Zach's. So I wanted to go into Zach's. Nice, nice. (laughs) I still had it on the brain, right? Yeah. So, so I go to, so I said, let's do 11 a.m. lunch at Zach's and then, um, and then everyone can peace out. I actually was going to stay another night um, in the camper um, at the campground um, because I had to tow the vehicle, I had to tow the camper and, um, and I wasn't sure of my ability to drive home um, after that many hours of not sleeping. So, right. Um, but my wife and kids took off and, um, and uh, some of my other friends took off um, to get back home to their lives. Okay. Uh, but in short order, uh, I went back to the camper. I laid down for about an hour and a half. Um, again, my kids were just waking up for the day. Um, so my wife took them to Starbucks and they went on a hike. Um, and I woke up at like 10 a.m. like uh, without an alarm or anything. Wow. Uh, and I started sucking down food and drinking Pedialyte and just getting as much fluids in me. And I went out and saw my friend finish, Ryan. Um, he okay. came in a little bit behind us. Cool. Um, but I was excited to see him come in. Mm-hmm. Um, 11.30, we were at the restaurant. Um, everyone got some food. Um, but still, like, the finish line is buzzing, you know, and I'm right there at the finish line in my camper. So, you know, hard to kind of ignore it in, in, in sleep. So, you know, kind of mixing it between uh, soaking in the pool and the hot tub and watching the finish line, watching all these guys uh, finish and, and achieve their goals. Um, I did want to come out for like, you know, what we call uh, Leadville, the golden hour, that the last hour. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I wanted to go out there about maybe nine, 10 o'clock at night. Um, it, the finish line was 11 um, PM was their finish time. Um, final finisher. Okay. And so uh, I had a big plan. I was going to get my sleeping bag and my lounge chair and I was going to camp out on the line um, and just kind of watch it come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at eight o'clock that night, I was out. <laughs> I mean, out. Yeah. Like, Okay. no no moving no movement no it finally caught up with you yeah eventually yeah. eventually the high kind of wore off and the sure. endorphins went away and, and my body's like just sleep so yeah. i woke up at 4 3 30 in the morning and uh opened up my laptop and started answering emails from work and yep wow and, uh, had to figure it out you know 
It's crazy, man. And then you just jump right back into normal life after that. It's like... It was tough. I actually went back to work on Thursday. So that was Wednesday. Um, I woke up, I drove home. Thursday, I went back to work. Um, but it was, um, it was a challenge. It was a mental fog, you know, like just to kind of uh, still wrap my head around what had just transpired. Like, right. Here I show up to work and my coworkers are super excited and super supportive. They bought me cake and decorated my office. Cool. And, uh, you know, just, just overboard on all of it and uh, super excited for me. Um, but just like when I sat down at my computer, I was like, man, like what a, what a six day journey. And here I am back at work, you know, like this. <laughs> Just trying to trying to spell out an email to somebody like uh, uh, it's a trip, man. It's yeah. a trip. Yeah, you went through a lot, man. That's it's awesome. Cool. Well, congrats, man. I mean, yeah, outstanding. It's just at this point, it's it's tough for me to wrap my head around. It's it's pretty unbelievable. Um, what's next for you? Are, are you thinking that far ahead? Do you do you think you'll ever do a two hundred plus mile run again, or are you going to shoot for a hundred? Or what are you thinking? The uh, URA 100 was uh, canceled this past year, mm. and that was also on my radar. Okay. Um, and so, um, so it's back on my radar for 2021. Cool. Um, it, it kind of, um, it's in URA, um, mm-hmm. uh, Western Colorado and the San Juans. Um, big mountain um, race, 42,000 birds. Tough race, yeah. Big, yeah, big tough race. So I'm kind of excited to kind of uh, challenge myself in that. Um, and I do have another 200 miler um, on the radar already. I'm I'm in the lottery for um, Tahoe. Oh, sweet. Um, and, and if that doesn't happen, I'm already thinking about going back to Moab. Nice. Nice. Cool, yeah. man. Yeah. So, so it's not over. It's not over. It's just begun, I feel like. I just feel like getting it's warmed that, up. It's that, it's that same cycle like Leadville, how Leadville wrote me in. Now I'm like, oh, it's totally doable. Wow. I know, I know you could do the distance. And now let's see if we could put it together and make it happen a little bit quicker or, you know, yep. whatever it might be, you know. Yep. Yep. That's cool, man. Well, I'm inspired. You got me fired up now, man. I want to start uh, signing up for some of these races. So do it, do it. It's cool. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's really cool, man. Well, listen, man, I really appreciate you taking all the time to uh, just break everything down for me. Just such an inspiring journey. I love hearing all the gritty little details. Like I like hearing about all the preparation that goes into it, the celebration afterwards. I like all aspects of it, man. And, and, um, yeah, you seem like a real like stoic guy, you know, it's not, I mean, I'm sure you had your highs and lows out there, but you just kind of seem like, yeah, you know, I mean, it was just, there were some hard spots or some, some, I don't know, you just seem like real level and it's, it's impressive. It's pretty inspiring. It's like, you knew what you were getting into. You went out there, you got it done. And that was really it. It's like, you knew what you were getting into. You just went out and hammered it. It's kind of what, what it seems like. Is that, is that, what it's like for you or looking back, Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I have struggles like everyone, man. I mean, I, uh, you know, for uh, sure. Busy. Um, sometimes I'm not motivated to go run at four o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I still get up, I still do it. And, uh, and, uh, and I think that's the important message. I mean, that's the message I'm trying to send to my kids. Um, you know, uh, just like your podcast to do big things, you know, like don't, don't be scared of anything, you know, Mm -hmm. you got to get out there. Um, I, I'd rather fail, um, than not try. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. Uh, and that's definitely, um, it's definitely the mindset right now. Cool. So. Yeah. Well, you're a savage dude. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're inspiring people. So yeah, just keep it up, man. I think, I think it's pretty awesome. So thank you again for your time, man. I love, love chatting with you. Stay in touch. Um, I'll be keeping an eye on you. I can't wait to see what's in your future. It sounds like there's some other two hundreds on the radar. So keep it up, dude. It's badass. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to you soon, man. Thanks again.
Take care. Okay, you too. All right. That was my man, Brian. I hope you guys dug that conversation. What a stud. If you guys liked anything you heard here, please give us a like, write us a review, subscribe on YouTube, or donate a buck or two. Whatever you guys can do to support this podcast would be greatly appreciated. That's all I got for you this week. Hope you guys are out getting after it. There's snow here in Colorado, and it's dark almost all the time, and I'm, I'm still getting out. So if you guys need anything, look us up, big-things-crewing.com. Life is short. Do big things.